0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Business Casual Basketball Podcast. We're back with episode 160. Uh, this is our preview series, basically. We're getting into the season. We are five days to go as of this recording until the regular season. So, just trying to knock out these teams one by one, going by tiers. So, today we're up to the borderline contender status. So, these are going to be five teams that it's a little bit subjective, but in my eyes, are teams that are just kind of straddling the line um, of being a contender. So, you know, to discuss this topic, I wanted to bring on um, Tony Schwartz. That's a host of in the lane podcast. You know, he does some great work for five reasons sports and uh, you know, he follows the heat in a very close level and uh, they're one of the teams we're going to discuss this evening. So I really wanted to kind of bring him in and, you know, he has a lot of things to say about this team and I'm sure of the other teams, uh, other four teams we are going to have on this list here this evening, but Tony, uh, on short notice, I appreciate you joining me, man. You know, I love your work on Twitter. I love what you have to say and uh, looking forward to getting down and dirty with these teams, man, because it's going to be a great season. I'm always looking forward to discuss, uh, you know, kind of leading up to that process, man. So appreciate your time and looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, of course. It's always kind of weird when someone says they love my work on Twitter, where I'm just kind of posting stuff every day, making <laughs> not That's the second time I've heard that this week. So I'm very appreciative. Thank you. But I just take I take compliments kind of like how milk ages, you know, very poorly. <laughs> hey man you know
0: i i totally feel that and i'm i'm the same way i'm like somebody's complimenting me on my work you know i'm just keeping it real you know so i i, I totally yeah. get it you know from. <laughs> but in any case man you know this would be a fun discussion because uh, you know the Miami heat is a team that we both follow really closely you know we're in a group chat about this team we're you know getting down and dirty and you know talking about rotations and you know who's gonna you know blow up this season tyler hero and bam and their progress and everything so you know, they're going to be a very fun topic, but I wanted to save them for last, you know, this, you know, the best for last kind of applies in this situation. You know, I'm sure we're going to want to, you know, have end on a, you know, really high note when it comes to that team. Uh, so let's go ahead and start with uh, one of the other teams that, you know, should definitely be kind of straddling the line of being a contender this season. That's the Atlanta Hawks, man. You know, they really made waves last season and they did some incredible work behind Trey Young and the coaching change, you know, bringing in Nate McMillan midseason and really turning that team around and they had a thrilling series against the New York Knicks, um, you know, in the past playoff um, past, past playoff run. So they should be primed and ready to kind of make a lot even more noise this season. But, you know, this team really starts and ends with Trey young, you know, he's one of the great up and coming talents in our league and he's taken the league by storm with his incredible passing and his floaters and, you know, his, his questionable antics when it comes to foul drawing, but, you know, he's a polarizing figure, you know, however you kind of slice it when it comes to his game. So I love what I've seen from him the past couple of seasons. He always adds something to his game. And he's one of the great personalities and, you know, I'm sure you can appreciate what he brings to the table when it comes to his marketability, you know, his swagger, you know, his game. So I'm just curious to see what you wanted to say about, uh, Trae Young to kind of start off on this team, because he's the engine, he makes everything go for them. So, you know, how do you feel about him? Do you feel like he has another step to go in his development? And, uh, you know, what more can he offer to this team going into probably one of the most pivotal times in Atlanta Hawks basketball, probably in the entire history?
1: Yeah, he can he to answer one question really quickly, he can commit himself to being a better health defender. I mean, that's that's the step he can take immediately. Um, every everything else, Trey Young uh, is doing at, at a pretty elite level. I hear some conversation about maybe moving him off ball a little bit more and, and getting him. Better looks that way because his three-point percentage when he's off ball is significantly higher than his percentage on ball. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think of Trey Young as this like knockdown, drag out, cold-blooded, efficient scorer and shooter. But from three is he's not shooting at a super high percentage. And I don't have the number up in front of me, but he, he's not this super efficient uh three-point ball killer. I'm gonna tell you what Trey Young is though a bona fide superstar, man. And I'm an equal opportunity lover of basketball. I wax poetic about this stuff every single day. Um, th- there's very few players with the flexibility that Trey young has going to the rim. I think that foul drawing stuff that you brought up earlier, he just adds because he can, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't, he doesn't need it to get to his 22, 25, 30 points a game. Um, but if it's there, it's a tool in his bag he he's an elite 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 finisher uh, around the rim he contorts his body in ways uh on the drive that i've not seen from many guys such a, such an impressive skill set it, it's almost not talked about enough how excellent he is as a passer like this dude is literally the second or third best passing guard in the league and i i'm putting him second a lot of atlanta fans will make the case for one um James is the only guy that's trickier uh passing than him. He's he's kind of hard to to rank. Trey makes some impressive passes, but the way James does it, the way he finds space inside of outlets is crazy. But look, Trey, Trey's a phenomenal talent, dude. Um, a bona fide superstar. Atlanta's so lucky to have him. I I would have two years ago told you that. I trade young's a fun piece, but that Luca trade was the dumbest thing they could have ever done. And uh I would have looked stupid saying that really loudly now because that dude is is a certified killer. He fits that culture really well, he fits Atlanta really well. Um, in ways maybe Luca wouldn't have. And he's just at the right place with the right kind of mentality. And watching him take that step last year was a beautiful thing to see.
0: It ab- absolutely was, man. You know, great points there. And speaking to kind of how he operates in Atlanta, they, they love him because Atlanta is the city of personality. And, you know, I, I know this because you know, I live near that city and I see it every day and I see how people kind of go about their business. And, you know, it's one of those cities where it's like style is everything. And, you know, the, the culture is everything when it comes to the music scene. It's, it's huge and fashion. So he fits right in as one of those guys that just kind of makes himself known. He's out here bowing in Madison square garden. He's out here just stunning on other, you know, the opposition, whenever he gets the opportunity. So we just love that about Trey young, you know, it makes him one of the great, not just players, but a great personalities
1: in the game, which I think we can all appreciate. And, and I apologize, like as a host, I I'm now interested to ask you a question. Go for do it. you feel, do you feel like if Luca comes to Atlanta that, cause Luca's like Lucas got swag too, oh, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like he. It, but he would have had to overcome an obstacle of foreign white guy in Atlanta, mm-hmm. but I, I think they would have embraced him, but do you think it would have ever gotten to the point that Trey Young's at right now?
0: You know, that's a good question, man. And honestly, it, it, it might not be at the same level, honestly, when it comes to, you know, how much they, they might not adore, you know, Luca as much as they do Trey.
1: Cause mm-hmm. as you said,
0: Luca does have that swagger factor about him you know, he's not afraid to, you know, shimmy a little bit or, you know, give some kind of response after a big shot, but something about Trey, it's almost like he invites just the attention, you know, he invites, you know, there's people, he wants people to be vocal about how he plays, how he looks, you know, some people are, you know, they're critical. They're saying like, oh, Trey, Young this is, you know, six, one scrawny, ugly guy. And he's just like, just, just give me more. I I love it. So I don't know if Trey or uh, Luca would embrace that much of both sides of it, you know, the negativity and the positivity, the way Trey does. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like it'd be the same, honestly, to answer your question, man, you know, Trey is just kind of, like you said, he's kind of born for the culture. He's all about that life. So that's one of the things I love about him, but, you know, going back to your point about him being such a great finisher, you know, he's in the mid to upper forties when it comes to his short mid range percentage, that's honestly incredible when it comes to a guy, his size, because he's a quote unquote normal size human being, right. He's six one, maybe 175, 180. Like this is not a huge guy. And he's out there shooting, you know, he's in the 75th to 80 percentile out there near the rim. So yeah, absolutely incredible player. I love what he brings to the table. But you know, looking at the big picture with this team, you know, another one of my talking points I have here is just how they're gonna kind of feed all of these mouths on this team because you look going down the roster, they're 10, 12 deep. You know, Cam Reddish is back there. He's probably not going to get a ton of playing time. Um, you know, Onyeka Kongwu is a great player. You know, he's going to be more of like a you know one of their guys on the bench coming in and giving you maybe 20 minutes a game. There's so many guys on this team that I think are in line for good good amount of minutes, but they're just not going to get it because you can't play t- over 10 players a bunch yeah. of minutes. It's just the math doesn't add up. So I'm just kind of curious to see who's going to be willing to sacrifice on this team, who's going to be able to put their ego aside. Cause that's what I keep hearing about this team. It's going to take guys just, you know, putting it aside, checking their ego at the door and just saying, you know, whatever is best for this team. You know, if it involves me playing 15 minutes instead of 20, 25, fine. But I want to see how guys kind of adapt to that going into the full season of Nate Mimillik being here and guys like Cam Reddish, maybe possibly wanting a bigger role. So how do you feel that they might do when it comes to juggling, a bunch of guys with a bunch of talent on this team.
1: Well, think about this. You haven't even mentioned DeLon Wright or the two summer league standouts, right? Jalen Johnson, yeah. Sarif Cooper. So, I mean, I, I don't know if this team is built where that's an issue. Just they, they seem to play very unselfishly and they have a clear plan of attack day in, day out, right? Which is let Trey Young make the right read and make the right play. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to be him shooting. He's an excellent like creator. So he's going to make the right read. And I don't I like who's, who's fiending for shots here, right? Like who's the guy that's going to get upset because he's not getting enough buckets. Mm-hmm. I don't think herders in that position. I don't think Cam Reddish is in that position um, to push for, you know, to push for more looks and that that team's going to run their offense and whatever happens, day in and day out, they're going to be happy with the result uh, because it's being led by that guy. But I think personally, there's there's just a limit to how far they they can they can sh- like achieve because mm-hmm. it's still yeah. built around John Collins uh, and Trey Young. Right. And we we saw some of John Collins' limitations in this last run. He doesn't have a lot. He's an excellent player. That's why he got a max, which by the way, expert expert level cap manipulation from Atlanta this offseason with that John Collins extension. Right. So, I mean, they have this whole young core that's growing together and we have no, like until that product is on the floor with Atlanta, we don't know what the team is going to look like this year with everybody possibly taking steps. I mean, this is the first offseason A lot of guys have had in a long time, so we don't know what it's going to look like. Um, I, I'm telling you right now, getting back a couple of those dudes that were injured in last year's playoff run makes them super competitive defensively. I don't know what they're gonna be on offense, but on defense, this is a team that can really stir the pot. And if Trey Young commits himself to being a okay off like help defender, yeah, just adequate. Yeah,
0: the they're gonna be scary. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up with their defense. That's actually why I wanted to go next, talking about DeAndre Hunter. He's one of the players you're referring to, you know, a guy that missed most of the playoff run last season. He's a difference maker, I think, on both sides of the ball, not just defensively, Absolutely. but he took steps last season with creating his own shot, you know, being in the mid-range, just being, you know, a little bit more of a savvy offensive player, you know, better manipulator when it comes to creating space. That's a big story to watch as well. And going back to how the Hawks performed last season on defense, you know, it was 21st. And then I'm sure that's a rating that Nate McMillan as a defense first guy, he's probably going to implement that mindset into these guys early. He wants them to be competitive from a defense defensive perspective. Because, you know, finishing in the top 10 on offense, he's not worried about that. We got Trey, we got John, we got, you know, Bogdanovich, these guys, like he's not going to be worried about that. It's how much better can we be defensively? That's what's going to make them take the leap from where I have them now as a borderline contender to the next level. Cause you go back and you look at past champions, almost no one ranks outside the top 10 uh, defensively when you're looking at championship teams. So once they take that step forward, it's going to change everything. So I'm really excited to see how DeAndre Hunter kind of fares this season. Um, you know, coming back to hundred percent and uh, you know, maybe he's that third guy for them. Like, you know, I don't see a super high ceiling from him, but you know, as a guy that's you know, he only played, you know, a couple of years in the league so far, I think he still has a little bit of growing to do. So that's gonna change I, the trajectory. I'll tell
1: you, if he's the third guy, I don't I don't think the ceiling is as high as you want it to be. It if I think your best case scenario here is that Kevin is your third guy. Mm-hmm. And if if Kevin is your third option, that means he took a significant step. Um and he played a lot like how he played in the playoffs uh, where he really had a coming out party. And if that's who he is, uh, this team's scary offensively too, because cool. now we're talking about real shooters with Bogdan and, um, oh, who's the other guy that's over there right now. Uh, Gallinari. This is Gallinari. <laughs> there he is. Yeah. All right. Danaro. <laughs> so with Danilo and Bogdan, that, that's, we're talking about spacing and uh, efficiency, and if those guys can hit shots, and Kevin Herter takes a step, and Cam Reddish takes a step, so you have like this whole bench unit of like bucket getters, bench mob, yeah, throwing. It's gonna be it's gonna be a really stacked team. I just don't like the ceiling, right? Like the floor is it. incredible. I just don't yeah. I don't know where to put them with a ceiling. Uh, just because I watched what they look like when they're really good. And I think adding Hunter back makes them better defensively, but absolutely. I don't, do they get buckets easier? I don't know against like the real contenders mm-hmm. uh, in the East, which like getting a bucket on any of those squads is hard.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. That's, that's really what it's going to come down to for this team. Like everybody knows they're going to be competitive. They're going to be good. They're going to be at least, you know, relatively speaking as good as they were last season but we're just all wondering it's like where's the next step because you hear it all the time it's easy not maybe not easy but it's easier for teams to go from where they were two years ago a lottery team to a respectable solid team in the playoffs but it's like making that next jump from good to great that's where a lot of people struggle to get over the hump so that's what i'm going to be keeping an eye on probably the most for this team and it's going to be exciting and uh I'll, I'll say it right now, man, January 12th, 2022, State Farm Arena, Hawks. Um, I'll Hawks, be there. Hawks seat, man, I'm in the building, man. Like every year, I didn't see the Heat play there last season, so I'm extremely excited to get back in the building. Uh, but we're going to get to Heat here in a second, man. But um, working our way down, man, we have uh, the Dallas Mavericks next up here. Uh, you know, we talked about Luka here. I feel like it'd be a natural transition. Talking about a guy that's going to be compared to, to Trae Young probably for the rest of their careers, you know, Luca is one of those guys that the Mavs hit it out of the park. Uh, they, they love that trade. They love Luca. They love what he brings to the table. Probably one of the most well-rounded offensive players in the game today from a passing scoring standpoint, the way he scores points. One of the smartest players in the game. So, you know, he's a fantastic player. But the problem is it's been for two years. Where is the help coming from? Where's the support coming from? And uh, to be honest, man, I was underwhelmed with their offseason. They got Reggie Bullock. I'm like, hey, I love Reggie Bullock. You know, great two-way presence. But if that's your main acquisition in the offseason and uh, you have title aspirations, it's a little bit underwhelming. So I still have them in the borderline tier, not quite there yet. But I think if they can never find a secondary guy to go next to Luca, that puts them uh, in that tier next to the other elite teams. But I just
1: don't think it happened this off season. Well, let me not, let me, uh, n- well, hold on. Not so fast, my friend. Oh, <laughs> you re- real quick, because I think they found out one thing last year and they just kind of like the confidence that Tim Hardaway jr. Has. I-, I don't know if they trust him forever to knock down those shots, but they appreciate him as an irrational confidence guy. And that's why he got okay. that contract. Um, the Reggie Bullock signing in a vacuum looks terrible uh, as like your big acquisition, but you have to also remember like taking Reggie Bullock and putting him into a specialized role where Luca can create on offense. And I'm, are you going to take the ball out of Luca's hands ever? Like that's yeah, never be, the right move. Yeah. He's still gonna have a high usage, right? That's not going to change for sure. He's, sure he's going to that... make the best play. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, like in my head, I I figure Reggie Bullock limited role specializing with with Tim Hardaway. And then here's the other offseason. Now, this is pie in the sky. okay? this is devil's advocate. I if the Dallas Mavericks make it to the finals, which won't happen. But if it does, this is how it happens. Here's their third acquisition. Christoph Porzingis. That's if if. If he's actually Chris Stapps Porzingis.
0: He's actually available.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It, just- that's that's the difference. That's your third acquisition right there is, is the guy you haven't had for two years because he's not available, or when he is available, he's half injured. Yeah. So it, it, if they activate him and he can play through a season and he, he's the guy that he was in New York, then they, they sign – three guys, one to maintain, uh, one to knock down shots and, you know, a big center to play pick and roll with Luca. Mm-hmm. They, they're going to, they're going to ball. Anybody's going to ball with Luca. Yeah, that dude's incredible, but you know, none, none of, I don't really think any of that's really going to happen. Like that was all hype. I don't really, yeah, think yeah, that, yeah. I'll never put money on Chris Stapps in my life. There was some talk about him coming down to Miami and that was the most like traumatizing time for me personally <laughs> as a human being, hey. Uh okay. so it, they're a fun team. I will watch them when they're on league pass anytime okay. uh that Portland's not playing or that Chicago's not playing, because I think Chicago's my league pass squad this year. Oh, gonna be fantastic. So Whew.
0: yes, yes. I mean, agreed, agreed across the board. And yeah, I definitely want to give credit to the Bullock signing. Like that signing, you know, just as from a fit perspective, I love it. Because you know, Bullock is just yeah, just Luca draws three defenders, easy kick out, knockdown shooter, 40% all day, every day. I do like that acquisition for this team. Like, it's, it's awesome. And yes, I'm with you when it comes to Brzingis. I had him in fantasy last season because I think I was torn when it came to, like, the fifth round pick. That's, I think that's where I selected him. I couldn't mm-hmm. decide, and I took I rolled the dice. I was like, all right, he's injured to start the season. But when he comes back, you know, I think he's going to be, you know, a legit player. And to his credit, he had times last season where he was very impressive. He would drop 25 points and 10 boards and three blocks. And I'm like, this dude is legit. But like, I knew it was going to happen. I tried to trade him like five times. Everybody shot me down because they knew the bomb was going to go off, you know, in terms of getting injured and it happened again. So yeah, don't bet on, don't bet on Porzingis being healthy. I would never do that. Um, You're just, you're, Flushing money down the toilet, um, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, it's really a shame because I think, you know, him at 100% with Luca and some of those other gunners they have on that team, like that is a really dangerous team. And to kind of speak to that point of their offense, I think, you know, Jalen Brunson, you know, he's a player I'm seriously considering for Sixth men of the year. Like, I think he can come in and... interesting. I really think it's a it's a possibility because he's going to get solid minutes. They really depend on him. They trust him. And if he's coming in here, he averages 14 points for you, 14 to 15. I think that he's in the
1: conversation at the very least. How are you feeling about that? Here's another guy, too, where it could be uh, an addition just by they play up to their potential. Frank Nittalikina is a guy that I think – everyone always expected to be a certain type of player and never developed into that. Mm -hmm. Sure. If, if he's that kind of guy, see the Mavericks are so weird. There's dudes over there that I absolutely love. Um, Brunson's one of those guys. Love him. Um, He really is. Uh, Cleaver is one of those guys. Yeah. I like, I like Maxie. Solid. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of solid
0: players. You go down that roster. Solid. There's not many liabilities. Like everyone is at least, you know, somewhat you know, a somewhat solid contributor as a rotation player.
1: I could live without Dwight Powell.
0: Yeah, the White I think I just feel like since the injury, man, like yeah, he's never been the same. Because I, I remember him being like highly respected. And then ever since it's just like Mavericks fans are like, nah, he's trash, like trade him and this, that, and the other. So that's unfortunate. But I mean, their supporting unit is pretty nice and when it comes to Brunson, I love his game. And he's actually a pretty solid finisher, like looking at his numbers for his size, it's kind of like Trey Young. It's like you wouldn't expect him to be as good as he is as far as efficiency, but he's got it, man. He's got the goods when it comes to just pulling the ball in the bucket. So I love that from him. And across the board, Dorian Finney-Smith, like you just look at these guys, it's like those are good players. Like they know who to bring in next to Luka as far as like dependable, just sturdy players. But when it comes to how I feel about them in the playoffs and the championship team, it's like, when it comes down to it, and maybe Luca is having an off night, it's like, you need a bucket. You need somebody to get you over the hump. Yeah. Maybe THJ can do that for you. You know, he's a, he scores in bunches, but I don't know if I would trust him through the whole entire playoff series with how kind of up and down he can be sometimes. And I don't know, man. I was just, I don't know if I was expect, I don't know what I, exactly I was expecting from their off season, but I think at some point, another, I don't know, another guy next to Luca. like, I just don't trust Porzingis to be that guy for them. I don't really trust THJ. When it comes to the heat of the postseason, first, second round, where things are, every possession matters, I don't know. I'm a little underwhelmed. Maybe I'm just a little overcritical, but I, I, I think they're knocking on the door of contender status, but it's going to take a, a little bit more to get there. And maybe they, Porzingis just isn't that guy for them, but we'll see. We'll see, but in any case, leap pass favor, like you said, you got to tune in because Luca's just that guy. That guy, he's legit. Uh, getting to the next team, man. Number three, Golden State Warriors. Uh, I feel like we can go all day about this team because Clay Thompson coming back, his return. Wiseman coming back for year two is going to be a-, a great time, and. You know, a report came out today saying uh, Clay is going to be cleared for practice. So I think here in the next month um, for full contact, you know, full bore all out. So hopefully he's back here in the first 20 games or so of the season. Hopefully we'll see how that goes. But the, the problem with this team, man, is like they're trying to juggle, I think, two objectives. Like when you have the Moody's and the Wiseman's and the, you know, the Kaminga's, you have a lot of potential here. But at the same time, you have this core, you want to give them one last chance to win it all. So, um, you know, they have a short window. I'm sure they want to capitalize on it, but I'm not sure, you know, how well that's going to be for those guys trying to get reps, get minutes, uh, so to speak. So um, yeah, I mean, I love their rookie acquisitions. I have no problem with that, but I'm just not sure how much run they're going to get and opportunities to really be successful. But um, I don't know if you knew this or really remember this, but like golden state was one of the best defensive teams last season. I think they were like fifth or, or fourth or something like that. Like I was really actually shocked to see that. Um, that's something I don't think people really give enough credit to, but, um, it's really going to be more about their offense. You know, it's crazy to say with like clay Thompson and Curry being the main guys, but like their main issue is going to be just kind of getting points more so than their defense man. So um. yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure where we left off, but I was discussing the, uh, the, the defensive, you know um, you know, how impressive the Warriors were last season when it came to their defense and uh, you know, man, were you really aware last season of like how solid this team was, you know, as far as getting stops and really playing their feet, because it seems like individually besides Draymond, they don't really have those guys, but they, I guess they did it by committee. So, you know, from the preseason, it looks like that's going to be, you know, another theme of theirs is just really kind of digging on defense. And I think bringing Clay back and bringing those other guys back to supplement the core, I think it's going to give them a really good chance to be a really good team. So we'll see if they're, uh, you know, up there where they want to be as far as an elite team. But I think they're at least going to be solid because their defense is going to keep them in games again. What's um, here this season, as it did last season, even when the offense is kind of stagnant.
1: Any team with the Gloves sun better be good defensively.
0: Gary Payton the second man. Give him That's his, all I'm
1: saying. Give him his PT. <laughs> Look, uh the the defense could be uh worse. It could be the same, it could be better. Uh they're they're adding guys like Bradley, uh, who we're very familiar with down in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um Clay Thompson's coming back from an injury, but the problem is here's my issue. Now they can play golden state defense before like how they played it before not this kind of like funneling having defenders or having offensive players run wide and then kind of funneling them in to help defenders on the inside. So Draymond and someone else to cover the, the rim, which allowed players just to kind of score in the mid range, which is what they wanted Right, Mm -hmm. that was a scheme change that wasn't their defense prior to this year so they adapted to fit who they had and now now the amazing move by the way whatever I know there's some stuff with Steve Nash and Jason Kidd out there about first-year coaches uh hiring hiring first-year player coaches and and their career and I know I know Jason's had some time around the league but Steve Nash or uh, Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, yeah. Just brilliant mm-hmm. basketball mind. Brilliant basketball mind. And, and you can see it in how he just reshapes these teams year in, year out. Look, I, I, you said they have a window problem. I don't think they have a window problem at all. Uh, I think Jordan Poole solidified they're going to win now. As soon as Jordan Poole started popping off, they're going to win now. And those kids that you mentioned – that's your deadline package to find that missing piece. So it's play, play, everybody, figure out what you got, figure out what you have in Otto Porter, figure out what you have in uh, Nemanja Bielitza, which is going to be nothing. I'm just going to let them know that right now um, <laughs> and figure out, you know, maybe Kaminga's a guy you hold on to because he, he has this high ceiling, but that Wiseman, everybody else, Moody, Thanks, appreciate you, but that you're a deadline and uh, a pick, and I think they're going to try and capitalize, especially if Clay stays healthy, man. I think that organization owes him one really, really, really strong run. Yes. and 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 Draymond has, man, Draymond probably has one or two more years left. And last year it was iffy on the offensive end, really iffy. Defense still looks great. His mind's still there. He'll be able to stay in the league for a long time that way. But as a starter, I think he's getting to the last of his rope. So go for it now. If I'm the Warriors, I'm saying this, like I have some kind of knowledge about it. I don't, I just feel like this is their time to really make a push for their guys one more time um, and play it out.
0: Yeah. I think when it comes to those two guys you mentioned, you know, Moody, you know, Kaminga, those guys, like, I think if they get some PT this season and they really kind of flash that potential, you know, if Kaminga's out here and he gets a few poster dunks and he's, you know, the, the freak of nature he is at the rim and, and Wiseman flashes that outside jumper from the five position, things like that. Like, I think teams are really going to be even more interested in maybe making a deal for them for one of their veterans. And I'm 100% with you on that point. You know, move those guys because when you have Curry, one of the transcendent stars of basketball, like, not even in today's game or in this league, but like, period, in basketball history, like, you have to go for it whenever, as long as he has his legs under him, you have to go for it. Draymond, yep. same thing. Like, this guy, you can see the decline, you can see it just happening year by year. So, you have to capitalize on just him being such a defensive stalwart out there. And with Clay coming back, like, you said it like they really need to give this guy, this man has worked through two major injuries back to back years. Like he's shown how committed he is to this franchise, just tirelessly working his way back because just one of those is hard enough. You put the two together, like this guy's been through a lot. So can't wait to see him back out there on the court. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch, but yeah. I mean, when I mentioned their window, it's more like, yeah, it's just, the, the problem is like, it's shrinking is really just kind of what I was getting at. It's just, you know, the time frame is short, so I think if they make those moves, it's going to help a lot Them getting back to, um, you know, that point of just being a great team. Um, but then like, like, you like just Jordan Poole, man, like you, I'm glad you brought him up in the beginning, because this is another guy that can be six man of the year, most improved player, like all of that. He's going to be in the discussion. And, you know, I put a poll up on Twitter the other day, who scores more points this season? Tyler? Jordan Poole? You know, I think Tyler got more votes, but I think it's a valid question because I think Jordan's going to be, you know, he's going to pop off. He's going to be explosive, so I can't wait to see what he does once the games start to matter. Because I don't think anything is going to change when it comes to how he plays and just how many buckets he's dropping
1: on these guys' heads. Yeah, I think that when I his his ascension to me, I, they do have a two window problem. If that wasn't the point you were making, I apologize. But it is, a, it is a valid point. They, they have two different windows on the team. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they knew where they were going to go before the season started because I think that's why they they threw the trade package out uh, before free agency to kind of see if they could drag a Bradley Beal or not. And when they couldn't, I do think they kind of committed to seeing what they had in the young guys this year mm-hmm. and hoping that the vets would pull them along. But as soon as Jordan Poole started to ascend, and you had a solid, solid scorer on that team that's not named Clay Thompson, dude, I'm, I would capitalize on that window all the way. You better figure this out because Steph Curry is a bonafide superstar, as you can see by MVP votings last year, and he had nobody on that squad with him. Right,
0: right. That says all right there. Like, if you can go out there and, you know, I mean, I'm going back to this team's offense last season. Like, this team was 20th out of 30 mm-hmm. teams with Steph Curry averaging 32 points a game. So that just goes to show you right there, like how devoid of scoring talent was on this team. Obviously the defensive talent was there. I mean, they were one of the best teams in the league on that end, but it's just so weird to me. Just so weird looking at this number, like they were 20th with Curry as a, you know, a human like flamethrower every night. Um, But I think they're really excited to see where this team is going to go because they have the pieces to put next to him. Otto Porter Jr. I almost forgot to point him out. Mm-hmm. I've watched a couple of preseason games now for the warriors. I think I've seen him miss like twice. Like this man is absolutely, it looks like he's back to auto Porter Washington version, like the corner threes are, are water wing threes are water. He's going to catch and shoot. He's going to, you know, just be that big body defender on the wing. Like I think if they can't have a KD, he's the next best thing. Just that supplementary, just great shooter, solid defender, tie everything together between the front court the back court it's a perfect it's a perfect signing man so um a plus on that signing and um just drive from that point b that's an automatic f uh for reasons i automatic don't, don't even need to explain on this pop. the heat fans will understand <laughs> but
1: yeah i really Look, like don't it. sleep don't sleep on juan toscano anderson either don't don't sleep a marquette oh, product okay every product sure. that comes out of marquette i kind of touch on um I'm I'm mostly joking right there, but I do mostly. Uh, mostly, mostly. <laughs> I do like Toscano Anderson a little bit as a human, just because he came out of Marquette. Two schools I always watch Villanova and Cat. Um, and we were talking about Villanova Cat and the last team. So anybody Jay Wright coaches, I'm I'm a big fan of.
0: Respect it, man. Respect it. You know, JTA. He's a. I mean, he's got a stroke, man. I'll give him that. You know, he can knock down some shots. So yeah. That's definitely, he's a, he's a
1: role guy in the NBA and he's got decent measurables. And I, I think that'll keep him around for a little bit. He's even the, the fact that he's
0: even made the league and he's got a guaranteed contract. I think that says a lot about him. He's done a great yep. job to get this far. I love it. So uh, let's wind it down, man. With two more teams, uh, Boston Celtics are the next one on this list. Uh, you know, the, the Celtics are getting into the, I think a time frame where uh, expectations are, are heightened, Uh, Tatum is coming into his prime. Brown is in his prime. The pillars are already there when it comes to, you know, who they want this team to be carried by. But now it's more about just finding the supplementary players, kind of like the Warriors that we discussed earlier. So they have those two players ready to go, but now they bring in Dennis Schroeder, you know, on that very cheap contract. Uh, You know, they have some other guys they want to develop. They have, um, you know, Aaron Naismith, they want to give some minutes to, Um, they have Pritchard there in the backcourt. That's going to get some good run. So, I mean, they gave Robert Williams, the third contract extension. So they have some young guys that they're starting to build out. And I'm really happy for them on that end, because we've seen some of their other young guys kind of flame out. So I think they're starting to kind of find those gems that they've drafted the past couple of years to help some supplement their star wing uh, duo. So, now that they have those guys, it's it's time to make a run. Uh, I think Dennis Schroeder is going to be a good pickup as long as they don't rely on him to do too much. Just go ask the Lakers. If you rely on Dennis Schroeder to play 35 minutes a game and start for you, how that turns out for you. So I'm intrigued by Boston. You know, I don't have super high expectations for them. I think there's still a guy or two short to make a serious run, but I, I love that wing duo, man. They're the real deal. And uh, I think they're going to be a little bit better from a depth depth perspective than last season. So
1: um how do you i I definitely i definitely agree with that last point they're they're gonna be a deeper squad this year um their their depth that they added what while made them better overall i I don't think brought them any closer to being a contender Mm -hmm. they uh, they obviously had one vision when getting all of these guys they were 20 Fourth in assist last year, 27th. They're real low in assist and dead last in hockey assist, right? Mm-hmm. Like just the worst team at, at making that extra pass. Like the ball didn't move at all. Every guy they added hypothetically can facilitate, right? Right. Josh Richardson, as we know, is a hypothetical facilitator. Mm-hmm. Uh Peyton Pritchard, hypothetical. Uh, Aaron Neesmith, hypothetical, Garrison Matthews, all these guys, Romeo Langford, all these guys can make an extra pass uh, on paper. So I, they have too many people right now where I don't know where they fit, what's going on. I've been telling Boston fans to prep up because Peyton Pritchard is going to be their PG. Uh, maybe not at the start of the year, but towards the end, he's just one of those guys. He plays like Kyle Lowry. He's just heads up at all times. Um, he's always making the right play. He will barely ever score, but with the ball in his hands, you trust and make the right decision. As much as I hate saying that because Peyton Pritchard is not a guy I want to support, but I watched him in summer league and I saw the run they were giving him and, and specifically that summer league team was running Boston Celtics sets with him at the toe. So it very clearly looked like they were checking to see if he could do it. And he was checking all the boxes to me. So if I'm that team, I'm going to start giving him some run there. For sure. dude. But it's Jalen Brown. It's Jason Tatum. I, I For this team to compete, Jason Tatum uh, has to be a super duper uber star on both ends of the court super duper uber star i i hear some people saying that jalen brown has to be the guy that takes his massive leap and I-, I don't know if that's in jalen brown's bag i think jalen brown is this player right now i feel like he did it last good. season i feel like he that was- did he-, yeah. he made a giant leap right like and and honestly like just looking at jalen he's so freaking valuable and this isn't meant to be a slight on that player yeah. i just like if he improves somewhere else Now he's a superstar too, right? Like if he takes another step offensively, that dude's an absolute animal. He gets a lot of credit for being this super elite, dominant perimeter defender, but the numbers don't say that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we know with our eyes, he's a really good defender. Oh yeah. He just, he, he could be a better defensive player. And maybe that's where he takes that step where he's on, you know, first team, all defense, right? Like he gets to that place, but it's, if this team wants to, to do anything, they have to hope that the guys that they brought in like Dennis Schroeder and uh, Naismith, who they like, they like him out yeah. there in Boston. I've got a few guys that are in the team there and and I know they like that dude. And if, if that, if they can get those players to, to move the ball around and, and, in that new coach's system, then we might be looking at something happening in Boston. I just personally, I think it's all on paper. I think it's all hypothetical at the moment.
0: Yeah. Going back to to Brown, man, I think basically it seems like the point you're trying to make is that his big jump has been done already. Like we know that he's going to be, you know, I think he averaged
1: 23 points a game last season like he's he's legit like he can get buckets he that's an all-star like he's an all-star I don't think that I I don't know if you could have asked me two years ago is Jalen Brown going to be a consistent all-star I don't know if I could say that with certainty he's obviously borderline But I think for the next five to six years, Jalen Brown's an all-star. No problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think if you're that team, and you already
0: have Tatum established as your quote-unquote superstar, your guy that's going to be a top 10, 15 player, your second guy being a legitimate all-star, like, that's a great place to be. So it seems like, you know, the the, the, the point you're trying to drive home is that from here on out, Jalen Brown's improvements are going to be the incremental type. The ones where it's like, he's a slightly better facilitator. You know, he makes extra effort on defense. Things like that to kind of round himself out as a player, even though it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to become like top 10 player. I'm going to be a superstar, which I think is perfectly fine for them. And I I think their journey from here on out is going to be to find that third guy that can go next to the two, maybe not even be, you know, this all-star type player, but somebody else that can come in and just be like, just command a lot of attention and maybe they feel like Robert Williams is that guy. You know, they gave him an extension, even though he had played less than 100 career games before before they uh, gave him the deal. You know, that's pretty a pretty bold move to make, a four-year extension for a guy that's pretty unproven to this point. But you're, you're bringing him in, you bring bringing Al Horford to be a coach for him. I think he can teach him a lot about just being a steady... Because you look at Al Horford, like, there are no probably not many better guys to come in and just be one of the most steady, consistent. Like that's what Al Horford built his career on was just being steady and consistent. So if you can pass a little bit of that down to Williams and I don't know, throwing the idea around, maybe they start together in the front court. It's, I think it's at least possible.
1: Yeah. And, and honestly, far be it for me to forget Al Horford uh, going to that team. That was a big oversight by me. That's another guy they added where they hope, I don't think anybody's adding Al Horford at this stage in his career like, man, I hope we can get 15 points a game from him. But you do hope that he can facilitate and make, uh, you know, make some solid defensive plays. Again, it all works in theory. And we saw what happens in theory in Miami when we had all those hypothetical shooters to start off last season.
0: Mm hmm. Yep. It seemed like it was going to be, you know, this great story of, you know, guys knocking down shots and it didn't really materialize. So I I think when it comes to these predictions, we have to kind of be a little bit, we have to try to be as realistic as possible. And I think when it comes to this team and when they can realistically achieve, I don't see contender, but I do want to give them a lot of credit because I didn't put them in the tier below, which is just your average playoff team. I put them a tier above, which is borderline contender, because I really do feel as though they're in that tier. Whereas though if they find one more legitimate player, whether it's a a glue guy, you know, whether it's another offensive stud, if they have that, like they are in, they're in there, like they're, you know, in the place where they can say like, we could win a championship, but for now, it's just going to be kind of working around the edges uh, I think this season is going to be a lot of young player development. Um, I really think that the, the Pritchards and the Williams are going to get a lot of run, for better or worse. We'll see how that plays out. But either way, I think this team is going to be able to take away this season saying, we developed two or three guys that we can say for sure going from here on out are going to be a consistent part of this team, maybe even starters. Like Maybe Naismith guns for a starting spot at some point down the line. Poss- possibly but i think that's going to be a big accomplishment for this team even if they don't find themselves in the finals or the conference finals because they got beat up by a brooklyn i don't think there's any shame in that
1: honestly well i think it, here's the thing though i think boston's gone in for something too because ennis Cantor always felt like a weird ad to me um yeah his but second, he's third stint here i i, I lost count <laughs> I have no idea either man. Ennis flights around the same couple teams uh, and and another guy I feel bad for on the squads Juan Homer uh, Juan Herman Gomez who also just yeah. floats around like nobody else. Yeah. But look, there's a couple guys here that are like bet bets that feel like stash dudes and why? It, it like what are they doing here? So as a from a roster construction standpoint when you work for five reasons like you're always looking at the you're always looking at transactions. Like it's like mostly what I talk about all day, every day. I'm I'm looking at the squad and they're built out like, man, maybe they're trying to put some money together to swing big. And I'm just like in my brain, oh man, what if the Clippers suck? (laughs) You know what I mean? What if the Clippers suck and what, what this team gets Paul George, (sighs) you know, it's, it's stuff like that it plays through my head where it's like, what if Boston gets this dude, you know, what all of a sudden now Bradley Beals on the squad, what's, what's happening now. Yeah. yeah. And this is where I think Boston's at where it, this is the point that you're trying to make too, which is like, they need somebody else. They need a third guy. Um, uh, Otherwise I'm telling you right now, I've seen Josh Richardson. I, I know what he is. Uh, yep. I, I've I've seen a lot of these guys. I've seen Garrison Matthews. He's a random scrub heat killer. I know what he does, but the, these these aren't your guys. You're not gonna get in the, in this east. I don't know it's if this team east, makes man. it out at first. It really is. This is not a I Indi- team anymore. <laughs> this Indiana changed. gives this team trouble just from a matchup perspective. Cool. So if they draw Indiana, it's gonna be tough. They draw cool. the Knicks. That they could they could win that matchup, but like my point is is there's so many teams they could draw. The Hawks would give this team hell. Oh yeah, it would give them hell. Absolutely. So who are they? You know, maybe they beat Chicago in a round one matchup, but yeah, I I don't know if this team makes it out of the first round this year, depending on who they're matched up against. Uh, honest that's to God, how
0: that's how I feel, honestly. And yeah, I mean, they are trying to kind of work around the margins because I, I like to look into cap things. You know, I also look in transactions and I look at how salaries are kind of flowing throughout the league. And I mean, this team doesn't really have a lot of wiggle room when it comes to salaries. When you have two max no. and, uh, you know, Horford's still making a good chunk of change. You know, you give Williams an extension. They don't really have a lot to work with. So to their credit, it is going to have to come from a trade. And as we know, there's not a lot of targets right now because Beal, for whatever reason, wants to stay put. So I think they're just kind of winning it out right now until maybe that big fish becomes available and then they can swing
1: a deal to try to upgrade this team. There's going to be somebody at the deadline. There's, there just is. And, and to your point, yeah, like, no, they don't have a lot of cap flexibility. It has to be a trade, but okay. So you build for the trade. So You got Robert Williams extension, right? He's a good guy. If he stays, he stays, but otherwise he's salary filler. Um, And you, you go get Al Horford who, yeah, he's a big chunk of change, but, that big chunk of change, salary filler. Mm -hmm. You can convince yourself if you're a team, you know, if you're getting Robert Williams and Al Horford or maybe like another piece or there's all kinds of guys that look like trade fillers to me on this team. Jari Parker, Josh Richardson, Richardson. uh, Ennis Cantor, uh, you know, Juan Herman Gomez. These are guys that get traded a lot and teams value because they're bigger, longer can shoot. So I, again, to me this roster looks constructed for a deadline move and if it's not, oh boy Aaron Naismith better be good. He better be good straight up. And you spoke about Josh Richardson
0: being trade filler. if don't I mean let's not forget they extended his contract by one season. What does that tell you? If something becomes available in next offseason, for instance yep. they still have that whatever it is that 12.4 million or something to add in for a trade. The Williams extension, that's more salary. So you, you hit it on the head, man. Like they are waiting for a trade to become available. So they're giving their, their guys with experience extensions, and then they're trying to bring in these young guys, develop them kind of like what we did with Josh Richardson and Winslow. So what happens? Um, Jimmy Butler becomes available, wheel and deal. That simple.
1: Yeah, the only difference is we didn't have any superstars at the time. Right, okay?
0: right. See, that's, that's, a, that's what separates. That's the
1: only difference.
0: That's that's the difference. But I, I think the the their idea is the same. So I respect them for that mm-hmm. for sure. But let's let's um, head, head into the home stretch, man. Uh, Miami Heat is the team we support all day, every day. You cover this team, uh, you're down the trenches trying to figure out how this team is going about being a legitimate contender it Pains me to say this, man. I, I put them in this tier um because I feel like it's gonna take a little bit of like a good draw in the playoffs. It's gonna take maybe an injury or two for the door to open just enough for us to kind of shoot into the, the finals again. But regardless, this team on paper looks great. Kyle Lowry's is the guy. Like he's the guy that a lot of us has wanted for a minute. You re-sign Duncan, you bring in PJ, you re-sign Dedman. Love the Denman deal, by the way. Like he is just the perfect backup five that I think we were lacking for a large part of last season across the board. I love that this team's off season and you go look at bleacher reports and the the athletics and things like that. A lot of people said we had one of the best off seasons, you know, between PJ and Lowry and re-signing Duncan. People said we had a fantastic off season and who am I to disagree with that? Right. (laughs) So, um, but there are also some people saying, you know, we're up there in the absolute elites of the East I'm not sure. There's still some question marks I'm looking at. I think you're kind of in the same boat. Um, but, you know, I look at the, the point position. I, I look at the four position, you know, if you've, you've watched the heat in this preseason, I'm sure. And you've seen how pretty terrible Marquise Morris has been at times. So there's still some question marks for this team, but I, I do like where we're going. I like the direction. Oladipo. There's a lot of ways you can go with this, man, but like, I'm going to give it to you here because, you know, this is where you specialize what are your gut reactions going into the season following the acquisitions of some big time players that on paper should be natural fits?
1: Well, we're talking about two different reads to me. So coming off of the off season, I thought. We were the third seat because we had, we had solidified a way to win basketball games, right? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, if you're Miami last year, how do you beat Brooklyn?
0: That's a good question, man. I mean, there's not a lot of great answers. I mean, there, I don't think there's
1: any, I don't think there's yeah. a, a single solution uh, with the team that was constructed on a way to realistically beat the Brooklyn Nets. Right. Like oh, yeah, they, was, there two, was,
0: yeah, I it was, it that. was
1: impossible. Too many defensive liabilities on the floor. Right. Yeah. Like there was just no way to stop down that scoring. Mm-hmm. I thought when the off season ended that this team had committed themselves to being the best defensive squad, uh, in the league point blank period, hands down Mm -hmm. and to playing grinded out, um, three quarters of just death and mud and dog and PJ Tucker, just giving it to your best player and winning on the margins. Mm-hmm. They weren't. They're smart. They're older. They're not going to turn the ball over. They're going to get to the free throw line. Um, they're not going to make costly penalties. And this is how we were going to win. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Kyle Lowry play. And it blew it all up. <laughs> Dude. Game changer. Beca- game changer. Kyle Lowry isn't here to shoot above the break threes off the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry is here to push the pace. Yes.
0: Put and on them, early shot clock, get guys a rotation.
1: Make we're talking points. Phoenix Suns half transition court looks you we're going to run half court sets that look like transition because the ball is flinging itself so fast up the court We're that the motion. I, I don't know how Spo is scheming this, but it looks amazing when you watch it. The outlet comes from Lowry up the court and then they're running like off ball motions Mm-hmm. Uh, in front and like in half court to get open looks at the basket yes it's incredible it, there there isn't one repeatable way for this last year if you didn't hit shots we didn't win basketball games yeah period i thought in the off season the way that we were going to win was by playing smart efficient in the mud basketball mm-hmm. 90s basketball yep now i think to myself Shit, we can hit shots. We can play 90s basketball. We can push the pace. We can be lob city at times. Mm -hmm. We can run a pick-and-roll heavy offense. By the way, options. nights ago, Bam was the receiver of a DHO from Mm -hmm. Kyle Lowry. Yes, I saw that, dude. The the,
0: the possibilities of this team, just the sheer options, because – if we go back to Milwaukee, we got schemed out so fast. Like, we had one way... Immediately. A couple of ways to win. They figured it out, and they said, you're done. That's it. But now, with running inverted DHOs and, you know, or, you know, inverted pick and rolls and these other DHOs... What
1: do with that as a defense if you see an inverted dho from bam out rolling heavy to the rim so you see that guy you do you go you have to go over the screen as a defender yeah. right mm-hmm. you have to there's there's or under i'm sorry you have to go under the screen as a defender there to stop bam's roll that's like the deadliest thing bam rolling to the rim from the three-point line are you freaking kidding me you have to collapse and bend there yeah. so you leave in lowry You've given him space because now the other defender has to switch. So now Lowry has space for a three. Okay. Maybe you don't. Maybe the other defender covered ground. Are you helping off a bam? Because he's running at your rim full speed. All right. You're helping off a bam. Now PJ's in that corner looking wide
0: open. You could put Duncan in the other corner. It's just like, what do you do?
1: You're kind of stuck. You know, Duncan and Duncan. Now it's not even if his defend now that that would be the weak side of the action, right? Mm -hmm. So, his defender can sit right on him right on his hip. Yep. All right, Duncan's making off-ball cuts this year, man. Yes. He, he's he's one dribble pull-up now. That's that's a different guy than last year. Dude, I yes. I dude, this team I'm telling you right now. I what also keep in mind Bam has no choice but to look at the basket from a Kyle Lowry pick and roll. He has he has no choice. He's going downhill He has to make one to two reads. That's it. On every pick and roll, which is the most repeatable freaking action in basketball. It's the longest running action. It's the easiest one to repeat over and over again with the Mm -hmm. best success. It forces the defense to make decisions, right? You have one read. When the ball hits your hand from Kyle Lowry, if he hits you, where's the defender? Is he in the drop? Pull up and shoot. Mm -hmm. Is he coming out to meet you? hit Jimmy cutting. Right. Are they helping off of you find the corner? Yep. It's like, it's so simple. Bam has no choice, but to succeed in it. He like the, the offense is literally create. Remember all that time last year we were talking about is Bam this guy or is he not? Yep. The offense is designed for him not to have a choice in matter anymore. Yeah. Spo said, you don't need to be great. I'll drag you to greatness. Mm -hmm. Like I will, I will drag you there and it'll be on the back of Kyle Lowry. And that's before we're talking about Bam being activated before we saw what he was doing, by the way, in the Olympics, which he's never had a chance to do. Run the break. Bam is running the break. And tell me what.
0: That's it's natural for him. Just with his ball control, his his passing ability, the vision, it, it, just, makes, it just makes too
1: much sense. Like he He's gets- so athletic. It's almost what he should have been doing this whole time, but because he's our only rebounder, literally, the only rebounder the team had besides Tyler Hero, oh, which man. like Tyler is a super effective rebounder at his size, but there's no reason that he should be our second-best rebounder.
0: Yeah, you give me flashbacks, man. The Milwaukee series, like – they made us look like little children down there in the block under the basket, which why I'm so glad PJ Tucker was brought on board because he was on that team and you saw like how many second chances he created just because he just does not stop. So we talk all about his corner shooting, but I think his presence in the paint as well, being an active rebounder is going to pay dividends and address one of our biggest
1: needs. You know, the funny thing is he doesn't need the rebound. he will he'll do it but he just needs whatever their biggest guy is he needs to box that guy out. he doesn't get rebounds he doesn't get rebounds whoever their biggest guy is box him out as far away from the basket as you possibly can that's pj tucker's only job Mm -hmm. at that point kyle lowry uh kyle's been grabbing a lot of rebounds and to the point to my point that they're gonna be a system rebounding team. The only time they're not is when Deadman's on the floor because he's an right. absolute animal at that. Mm-hmm. And he can do it himself, just the size, yeah. advantage, strength. He can do it himself all day. PJ, my favorite PJ Tucker stat happened last year. This is my favorite stat of all time. PJ Tucker in game six going in to the fourth quarter was their starting center and he played eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. He played eight minutes as the starting center while Giannis got rest. To protect the the lead, P.J. had zero points and five fouls. Let me ask you a question. (laughs) What do you think happened first? P.J. Tucker scored first or got fouled out of the game? Man, I feel like he fouled out of the game. (laughs) He didn't either. He didn't score anymore, and he played such excellent defense that he didn't foul out. I think I'm to remember now. Yeah. yeah. from uh, he, he played Dayton or uh, Aiton at a masterful level defensively. Mm-hmm. He got his body into him. His positioning was perfect. And he didn't commit one foul, one foul. They were waiting for him to foul out yes. so they could bring Giannis off the bench. And he never did it.
0: I remember. Mind. Like, I was, just, I was amazed because, you know, when you're in that role, that's where you're probably most vulnerable to, you know, picking up that foul and getting in trouble. But I mean, this dude is disciplined. Like that's what happens when you bring in a guy with his experience. And I think that that pays so much, so many dividends for this team because, you know, teams are always looking for talent, right. To bring in the, in the off season, free agency. And of course you should do that. But when you bring in guys that are, you know, PJ is one of the great specialists, one of the great grinders in our game. then you bring in Kyle Lowry, which I mean, he's a grinder, but he's still a great scorer. He's still a great distributor. He could be an engine for an offense at this point in his career still. So when you kind of put those two together, it's like, it's just amazing. And I love that. I mean, people kind of, I think, underrate the value of his just aggressiveness kind of in transition because, I mean, this is not the end all be all number, but we were 29th in pace last season, Um, you know, 96.6, you know, possessions. I think it was like, Um, you know, it's so bad and it it wasn't helped. Our rebounding numbers did not help. It was so bad. Those are the two major points. I mean, it's, it's rebounding. It was the, the pace. It was the offensive. I think we just got stagnant offensively. We dropped to 18th, um, last season in offense. And that's because I think people figured out, Oh,
1: Duncan band DHO, you know, but now let me look at that time. It's the only action that we could run repeatedly that wasn't blown up. Like that's all we had. That's it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And then teams did figure that out. And in the playoffs, I mean, if you don't have the creative, you don't have the ability to kind of throw players into different roles and be successful. That's, that's why we got swept. So I think going into this season, I think that's what raises our ceiling so much. And this is before we even get into the X factor, Um, Victor Oladipo. If he's back, if he plays anything like he did in those like four or five games before he got hurt, uh, you know, that's a game changer. Because I remember watching that game and it's like, he's running the break. He's throwing down dunks. He's harassing people right at the point of attack. um, You know, right off the pick and rolls. Like he's hounding guys fighting through screens. Like if you throw that into the mix, there's no telling where we can go. So I I, I, I will say that, you know, out of all these five teams that we discussed this evening, I'll put Miami at the top of the list out of these. five, Without doubt. I think they are the to being a contender um, because of all the reasons we laid out. And I'm sure we can go all night on this.
1: I could, I really could because the, the same way that we talk about all the ways to attack, by the way, we haven't even hit the bench. Like it's not, we haven't even gotten there yet. Not so, and, <laughs> um, and like all the ways we can talk about the offensive, uh flexibility the defensive flexibility is just as good they can play you straight up they can switch with you i want you to think about when we played our best defense last year right those four games victor oladipo was there Mm -hmm. spoke committed us to an inverted 3-2 zone right which is where you take your two forwards throw them up front you have a center on the back end and then like a guard sometimes it was mostly duncan so he's like a tweener Mm -hmm. that inverted zone was was jimmy Mm, Goron sometimes, Depot when you know, and Trevor Ariza. Yep. That inverted zone now is Lowry, Depot, Jimmy. Mhm. With PJ Tucker and Bam on the back end.
0: Good luck with that. That's what I see. The where, 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 like, where
1: who's who's passing on you that? You have a hard, you know, a night. <laughs> But this is my thing, and that's only one – that's with Possible Duncan operation. off the court. Yeah. Exactly. You can, in the same vein, swap it, right? Now we go three-guard. You're looking at Lowry, Duncan, Tyler with three-guard lineups, bro. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and, and in those small-ball lineups, I'm going to tell you, Keith isn't playing four on this team. Mm-hmm. He's not. He really- his, li- his minutes are about to get limited. He's, yeah. He looks real terrible at that spot. He does. He's playing small-ball five. When the minutes matter, he'll be playing small ball five. That's his spot. And he could use, you know, he's more athletic than most centers. I don't think Keith is athletic by any standards, but he's more athletic than most centers. Yeah. Yeah. So that's his spot. That's where he'll go. That's also the position that we should probably look to upgrade. If the deadline's there, the best trade for this team is a margin trade. There's no Mm -hmm. any I Bradley Beal is always talked about in Miami. That trade screws this team up. They shouldn't even look at him. He becomes available. I don't even want them talking about Bradley Beal. It's this perfect lineup that we have right now. The only thing this team should focus on right now at max at max is a solidified four. Mm -hmm. Um, and potentially watch the buyout market for a dude like a John Wall. Watch the buyout market for guys like that facilitators that will be okay not starting, right? Like dudes yeah. who are ready to come off the bench. Uh, a, a dude like Dante Exum would be perfect on this squad. Somebody you just don't think about that can play good defense oh, no. and, and make a pass. Yeah, I'm- he'd be perfect.
0: Absolutely, man. I mean, it really just comes down to just like you said, just solidifying this lineup, solidifying this roster. The major moves have been done. The the foundation is set. Just got to find those guys. We can plug in for 12 minutes, maybe, you know, just come in and and back up PJ, back up Kyle, come in, just make the right reads, just not hemorrhage points, just kind of keep the train going. And then that's where I think we find most success. And like you said, I mean, I think the big guys that are going to become available, like Beal, they kind of mess up the formula. They mess up the balance that I think is destructing this team. And we've seen it before tonight. We're going to disregard tonight's game. Tonight's game didn't even happen in my mind. But the other preseason games before this, when we had Kyle playing, we had the full lineup, like things just clicked. And these are our first real games together. Everything just seemed to just come together. So I think as that progresses through the season – uh, it's going to be a really fun thing to watch. as These guys gel together. Um, I think the only thing that knocks us off at this point is, is injuries. That's it. I mean, there's an injury scare for PJ. I think the first preseason game, uh, you know, there's going to be the risk with Kyle Lowry and with how many minutes Jimmy plays and the role he plays. But I think if that, we can avoid that. And uh, you know, the buyout market is there. I mean, there's no telling, like what if Brooklyn loses Katie or what if the bucks lose Middleton?
1: I'm going to be real honest with you. I I'm so irrational with this team and it's just pure love and, and ecstasy. Like I, I, I know I'm irrational. I don't trust Blake Griffin to play a whole season starting. Yeah. I don't with you. I, I don't, I, I don't trust LMA at at this point after his time off to give you like 20, 30 minutes valuable. Yeah. I agree. I don't. I saying that, you ask me who my best, my fa- like my favorite one, my favorite player and two, the best player in the world right now, I'm giving you the, the same answer. And that's, that's Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not stupid. A James Harden and Kevin Durant can beat any team in the league by themselves. And then three plumbers are on the court. Absolutely. I'm like, I, I know that. Yeah. But I'm telling you, who's the one guy that gives them trouble, bro. The one dude in the league. It's the one with 5,000 pairs of shoes. PJ Tucker, man, he just, he's, he's
0: gonna, he's gonna just chop it up with Katie all series long, chop it up the entire time, give him hell, like just talk, talk smack. Uh, I'm so glad he's on our squad now, man. Like, I think that was one of the best pickups. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, Milwaukee is really hurting not having him back. I mean, they'll be fine. I mean, they're going to be great again, but I think they're going to miss his presence and his toughness. And I, I think the, the, the moral of the story here with Miami is that, uh, watch out lace up your sneakers get a good night's sleep do your research do your got report for the game it's going to be a long night may not may not win we may not win the game it's going to be a long night for whoever um you go up against but any last thoughts about this team i know there, there's so much more we can talk about we didn't talk about tyler yurtsevin Struss, um Strews, like there's a million well people.
1: look yeah, I think just and I'll real quick touch on the whole the whole squad right there. So a uh, Tyler has a great shot for six man of the year. Oh, yeah. great shot. Great job. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I think O.G. Anobi probably has a play for most improved. So I don't think Tyler's in that bucket. A lot of people are saying Tyler most improved. I don't. His stats weren't terrible last year, but he wasn't that great as a player. So. Um great shot 6 man a year he's going to have one job come in get buckets it's the only thing he has to do that's it max is literally same role he's jimmy sub mm-hmm. uh, you you come in you play big defense you hit shots that's it uh, all these bench guys have these unifying roles by the way and in summer league max showed you he can do a lot more Mm-hmm. He was their primary creator. He was their primary shot maker. He was their number one guy. And that guy that he was working with, Omer Yurtsevin, he's a, he's a skilled big, man. I mean, I- Great footwork. great. He's great touch. It's, like It's great touch. I wouldn't say yeah. it's great footwork. And I was honest. Yeah. Um, I had an opportunity to speak around him and to some of his camp. And I was honest about that where you know, they were asking for my opinion on the player, and that's kind of where I am with him, is defensively, the footwork sometimes is plotting, but I yeah. think it's just because he's not used to the NBA yet, and the reads aren't happening as quick, as they could. And he's a cerebral guy because on offense, he breaks down defenses. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do the whole, like he's, he's slow. He's not, he's figuring out the NBA just needs time to figure out the playbook. I don't think that's the case. I just think he needs reps. I think he needs minutes. I I think they got to give him, you know, time, but Dwayne Dedman plays a specific role. He's really good at it. He's here until Omer is caught up. Yeah, as soon years. as Omer is caught up to speed, Deadman's gone. And that's okay, because yeah. uh, Deadman's been Perfect. great for us and I love him. Absolutely.
0: I love I love him, man. I'm so glad they brought him back. Like looking at him last season, I was like, please bring this man back. Like whatever you do, I know you're going for the big fish.
1: Please bring him back. Well, he had, perfect. in some games, he had a 70% rebounding percentage. That means out of everybody else on the court, he grabbed 70% of the rebounds for the minutes he played. That's ridiculous. He, does not just, he just doesn't give a crap,
0: dude. Like, honestly, that's what I love about him. He's just like, I'm just going to do what I do. Like, y'all can't phase me. This is who I am. So I love it, man. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that's going to wind us down, man. Like, I love talking Miami. Could go all night. And, um, you know, we might have to Good. do a separate – whole another spiel on this. And uh, I would love to do that. But um, for the time being, we'll leave it there. But um, Tony Schwartz, everybody love your um, love your takes again, man. And I really appreciate you joining me this evening. It was a great time. And um, wish you the best of five reasons this season, man. It's going to be a great team to follow, man. So I can't wait to see your, what you do with these guys. And I can't wait to see what they do on the court. So um, best of luck to you guys, man. It's gonna be a great season for sure. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Did you want to plug that or any real quick, any work you got going on, anything you want to let the listeners know about before we go?
1: Yeah. So I do the link tree deal, everything you can find on all my social media. Uh, If you at Tony Schwartz MBA, you'll find me there. I host a podcast called in the lane. It's kind of an introspective look at uh, the players, the people off the court, that make everything possible. The front office guys. I, I like to share stories. Um, I work with uh, Heat Check Gaming. I'm a journalist with Heat Check Gaming, which is uh, Miami Heat's 2K League. A lot of stuff that I do, Mag. I, I, I host, um, with Marco Romo and Sean Rochester, a Miami Heat halftime space, which is doing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can pop in there if y'all want to hear us chat up, you know, any halftime. So I got a lot going on. Most of it's at Twitter, at Tony Schwartz MBA. You can find me there. I'm probably making some really stupid joke and isn't making anybody laugh. You know how I do.
0: Yeah, sir You doing your thing man you guys do um really superb work i love it uh for business casual you can find us at bc basketball Two. that's a twitter twitter and instagram handle and then bcbasketball.info is where you can find us on our website if you want to check out our blog post get all the podcast episodes other resources like a free agent list everything you guys will need to kind of keep track on your favorite players for next season so um yeah that's gonna be it for us this evening thanks everybody for joining us Uh, enjoy the rest of this off season before we get into the real action, which I can't wait because we got teams getting blown out by 50. So I think that's a sign that it's about time to kind of move on to the real thing. (laughs) Um, yeah. And enjoy the rest of your day. And we're going to be back here next week, uh, with another podcast, more awesome analysis. So until then take care everybody and, uh, we'll see you soon.